Oh, wow. All right. Um, please stop. Please stop. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's, you know, it was a, a wonderful uh, several weeks to, um, we do this in, excuse the, this here. Um, just a time where we uh, get some um, outside speakers to come in and preach for us and our church, and uh, it's a wonderful time for us. Uh, in that, and someone has said this, uh, gave this illustration. They said, you know, the pastor's preaching is kind of like mom's cooking. You know, it, it's kind of predictable, and you know what they're good at, and how it tastes, and so on. And so it's nice in that way. Um, but a guest speaker is like going out to a fancy restaurant. You know, it's like different, and they make things different, and it's nice. And so uh, that's nice. But um, you can't go out and eat every night. You kind of miss mom's cooking, right? And so hopefully it'll have that feel. Um, and hopefully your moms are all good cooks, all right? That's an assumption uh, that we make. But it's so good to preach today and to be with you today in this way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 uh, was a, the passage that I um, first memorized in college as I was trying to walk with God. And the first passage that I memorized and it um, was something that was easy to memorize, and I'm sure a lot of you know it by memory, but at the same time, um, it was something that has taken my whole adult life to try to live out and learn. And so uh, it is something that we are trying to do. And you, you look at this and you see an outline here of three imperatives that the writer of Proverbs gives us to trust uh, in him in this way, to lean not and to acknowledge God. And these are the, written in the imperative. These are things you must do. These are important things that you ought to gain. But we are called to trust. Trusting is hard to do. We trust in a lot of things. You know, the Bible talks about the things that we trust in often. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 44, 6, For not in... In my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me, right? And Proverbs eleven twenty eight: whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So we know this, but yet as maybe as older we get and as life goes on, we tend to trust the things that are more uh, tangible, things that we can put away, things that we can possess, things that we think can help us. And we lose our trust in the Lord. The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord in this way. Um, trusting is a difficult thing to do. Out of all the commands that are given, I think trusting is probably the hardest thing to do. Forgiving someone, you can do. Loving someone, you can do. Sharing your goods, you can do. But to trust someone, that means I'm giving all of myself to this person. Are they trustworthy? And that's the question that comes to mind. How many people can you really trust? How many people can you say, I trust with my life these things? I, give, I can give them the keys to my house. I can let them know what the intimate things of my heart are going on. I trust in this. How many people are there? And it seems like the older we get, sometimes the number gets less and less and less. Some of us with younger kids, we, we trust our kids in a certain degree. We won't give them the keys to the car when they're 10. Uh, we won't give them all the money that they ask for because we don't trust their decision making. But we love them. We care for them. But trust is a whole nother ballpark. 
And the Bible tells us, don't just love God, don't just um, sing to God, don't just sacrifice for God, but to trust Him. You know, this passage in chapter 3 is written from, uh, the way it's written, it's like a father giving instruction to the son, so to my son, he says. And so why it's written that way is to, I think, to let us know the significance of it. The, the father wanting to give these life lessons so the son will succeed. The father saying, I want you to not make the mistakes I made. I want to teach you the essentials of life. And some of us remember our own fathers giving us advice, you know, telling us to live a certain way. And some of us who have become parents, you now give that advice. You don't give this to just anyone. You give this to those who are dear. You care for their life. And this is why and how it's written. And we're told to trust in the Lord. Is he trustworthy? That's the question. In the uh, translation of the ESV, the word Lord is capitalized, L-O-R-D in caps. It's his proper name, Yahweh. It's to differentiate him. It's to put him and set him apart. It's to make sure we understand. This is not just a general trust, but let's understand who we are trusting. What does the Bible say? At the name of Jesus, right? If you confess with your mouth the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. It's the idea of trusting someone specifically who is all-powerful. Can we trust him? That is a question that we have to ask ourselves. You know, there's a, a funny story that uh, was written in one of Robbie Zacharias' books. There's a folk story of a bandit named Jose Rivera. Jose Rivera was a notorious bandit, and he would come into these little towns and parts of uh, Texas, right by the border, and he would uh, steal from the people. He would rob the banks, and he would steal from the people, and he would take their jewels and the gold and the money, and he would go back to his home in Mexico. And he would come back again, and so the people knew who he was. His name was infamous, and people would expect him in this way. So the, the people in these little towns said, let's get someone to catch him and get our stuff back. And they sent down a ranger. And this ranger, this brave man on his horse, goes down to this small city where uh, Jose Rivera lives. And he goes into the local saloon. And he goes in, and he sees two people there. And a, a guy with his feet up on the table, hat covering his head, sleeping away. And then he sees a young man behind a bar. He approaches the young man, he asks him, do you speak English? And he actually does. And he says, I'm a ranger, and I'm here to catch Jose Rivera. Do you know where Jose Rivera is? He's like, oh yeah, that's him sleeping right there. And so the ranger goes up to Jose, this man that's sleeping, and he taps him, and he says, I'm here, and you have two choices. And he says, and the guy says, no English, I don't know English. So he calls the young man over and says, can you translate for me? And the young man comes over and he says, tell him I'm here. And he has two choices. Choice number one, he goes to jail with me. Or choice number two, if he returns everything he's stolen, and if I could find everything that he has stolen from these cities, then he's a free man. What does he want to do? So he translates this to him. The young man's in the middle and he tells him. And then um, Jose Rivera's eyes light up and then he now responds to him. And he tells the young man who's translating to tell him, this is where the treasure is. Like, I don't want to go to jail. If you go out the door and you turn right, you walk about a mile. And as you walk about a mile, you will see the local city, the town well that's there. And next to the town well, the biggest tree that you see, right on the bottom, next to that biggest tree, there is a cement slab, like a big stone, and you move that. And I hid everything there. 
And the young translator looks at him, and he pauses for a moment, and then he looks at the, the sheriff that's there, and he says, he says, just shoot him now, because he's not giving it up, right? Um, it, it's, who can you trust, right? It, it's, who can I trust? Who can I tell this to? Um, will they listen to me? Will they help me? Can I love them, and can I do all this for them? I read an article that talked about the four traits of trustworthy people, and I think this sums it up some well, right? Integrity, consistency, ability, and benevolence. They kind of have that. You could probably trust them to watch your kids, you know? If they are a person of integrity, they are consistent, they have the ability, they know what they're doing, and then they are benevolent, they're kind. You could probably trust them into knowing these things. We get put in positions where we have to trust people. Uh, and it's very difficult. I remember when Carissa was first born, 16 years ago. Uh, first child, right? And, and some of you who's been there know. The, the whole emotional ups and downs of having your first child and being in that room. And I remember she was born and the trauma of seeing how she was born and the shock and the respect I had of my wife. and how this all happened and this now, this little human being, who, by the way, when babies are first born, you know, they don't look all like perfect like what you saw in the magazines, you know? They're just like a prune, like, you know, they're just, you know, you're like, whoa, she's purple, you know? And um, whoa, her head's like a cone, whoa. And, um, but here's my child and I'm a father. And I remember sitting that night, uh, my wife is wiped out, recovering, and I'm pacing back and forth and they put her in this little glass, tray that's supposed to be some kind of bed for a baby and they tag her she's the choy baby and uh, now i'm walking around and every time she you know makes a sound i'm nervous why is she making a sound or if she's too quiet why is she so quiet you know she should make a sound and i'm pacing back and forth uh, middle of the morning um, the nurse comes in to check on her says oh it doesn't look good you know doesn't look like she's breathing right and they say we need to take her in right now to the uh, intensive care unit. And so this is the, the shock uh, of the whole time, you know, and I'm sitting there like, what? what, what's wrong? And they're like, it looks like she's not breathing right and the colors aren't right. And a team comes in and they take her away. I don't know these people's names. I don't know where they're from. I don't know if it's just a Halloween costume. I don't know who they are. And they, they take her away and they take her into this room and they come in with a stack of papers, sign these papers. I mean, it was a stack this big, and I'm signing away. And they're trying to explain to me what's going on, and I sign it away. My wife's half-conscious. What happened? What's going on? And I broke down, and I, like, started crying. And this was the first time I cried as an adult. And this is, like, one of the few times, and I haven't cried since I was, like, four. And then it was at that point when she was born. And it was the ugliest. You know, like, I don't know how to cry. There's some of you that cry really well, and it's moving. This one's like, oh, wow. And I was... <sighs> making sounds, and my wife's like, are, and she was like, are you, what's going on? She goes, you're crying? I was like, and I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, don't look at me, but you know, yeah. And she, I remember going through this, and she was in the NICU for two weeks. They wanted to make sure her lungs were okay, and that she had swallowed fluid on while she was being born. You know, stressing me out before, the first day she's born, right? And for two weeks now, we're going in and out of the hospital. Every two hours for the feeding, our house is about 25 minutes away, and we sit with her, feed her. Okay, Sharon has to rest, drive her home. How are we going to stay home when our baby's in the hospital? Let's go back. 
and we do this, and we finally bring her home. The trust. These people, everyone there who's in uniform, everyone there who's at work, I'm trusting them with everything. With some assumption that they are benevolent, they are capable, that they will be there, that they know what they're doing. And I trust them with the most precious person that I knew at the time. And now we think about this. We trust human beings in this way. Here, he says, trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh, trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, and don't just trust them with trivial things in life. Don't just trust him and go through the motions. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your child. Trust him with your future. Trust in the Lord. And he says, with all your heart. The heart is the seat of our emotions and our will. And the Bible uses the word heart. Uh, we use the word heart sometimes to mean just a, a feeling that we have. But the word heart meant like your gut. The deepest part of the person. And he says, trust him with all of it. Because he is worthy of it. Jerry Bridges says this in his book, Trust, uh, Trust in God. He says, trust is not a passive state of mind. It is a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold on the promises of God. I just want to pause there. Trust is not a passive state of mind. So trusting God is not just following, going along. No, it's a vigorous act of the soul. It is intentionally saying, I will trust you, God. I will live for you, God. I will do what you say. I believe you in this. In order to trust God with all of our art, he tells us to not do something. He says, on the second part of verse 5, do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. We don't want to become the person that knows it all. Think about this. Five years ago. Think of yourself five years ago. Think of yourself ten years ago. Our church is turning ten, right? And I think about ten years ago, the things that I feared ten years ago, the things that I worried about ten years ago. I think of yourself when you were 17. For some of us, it felt like it wasn't that long ago. For some of us, you can't remember that far back, right? Think about that. You know, why did I do that? Why did I wear those jeans? They were way too big. Why did I wear those kind of, why did I wear those jeans? They were way too tight. Who did I think I was, you know? Why did I date that person? Oh my gosh, you know, and why did I date that person? Um, The regrets that we have because we can't fully understand and trust ourselves. It is the uh, famous um, atheist Uh, philosopher Bertrand Russell who says the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are so certain of themselves and wiser people so full of doubts. Isn't that kind of true? The wiser we get, the less we know. When I entered seminary school, I had my theology all figured out. And I have great debates with people on what is right theology, what are the right beliefs. And I remember by the time I finished my seminary training, and people were like, what's your stance on this? What's your stance on this? And when I started, I knew everything I thought. And by the time I studied a little bit, I said, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still not sure if that's exactly the stance I have on some of these secondary issues. Um, We learn more as we go. You know, psychologists have talked about how we can't trust our own minds. Our own minds fool us at times. One of the things that 
they talk about is uh, what's called actor-observer bias. Actor or observer bias. Uh, and we do this all the time. Right? Um, it, so basically, if you see someone do it, you judge them on it. But if you, you do it yourself, you say, it wasn't so bad, right? We do this often, like at the intersection. What do we do? Someone um, is checking their phone, and it turns green. And you're just like, should I honk or not? Like, well, no, that car, that, that's a big truck. No, I'm not going to honk, but he better go. And they're checking their phone, checking their phone. It turns red. And now you're irate. Oh, my gosh. It's the, like I missed a signal. I missed a signal. I could have been home uh, two minutes. What in the world is he doing? Now, we've all been on the other side. We've been the actor of it. Right? You're, someone texts you. You're checking your phone. You're at the stop. Okay, not, not all of you. Okay, it's a few of us, right? And you're checking it, and then they honk behind you. Like, geez, calm down, man. It's, it's just, you know, what's the big deal? Gosh, yeah, we missed a signal. You'll live. You're fine. And so we have this bias, even in our judgment, psychologists say. Even in our memory. Uh, there's been studies done, and one study by Elizabeth Loftus, who studies memory and how we remember things. that We don't often remember it correctly. They did a study. They brought four groups of, peop- uh, uh, groups of people in, and they watched four videos of crimes. And one crime was a liquor store robbery. They watched that. Another one was people breaking into a warehouse and stealing something. And the third one was a bank robbery. And the fourth one was a, a fight between two people. So they, they watched these four videos, and they said, you have to come back in a week, and we have to ask you questions about your memory. But what they did was, amongst the questionnaire, they asked 10 questions about something that they never even watched. It was about a drug deal. And there was no drug deal in the four videos. And they wanted to see how the people would respond. And so they started with asking, what kind of car was this? And what, you know, what did the guy look like who robbed the bank? And then they'd say, uh, you know, what do you think about the drug uh, you know, transaction that happened? What kind of car did they drive? And people started, 70% of the people, they actually thought they remembered as the questions were guiding them. They said, oh, yeah, you know, it was a white pickup truck. And then, yeah, the guy um, gave him this, and he bought you know, this kind of drug. And they started filling this out. Not in their so-called dishonesty, but they were influenced to remember things. So when the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, think of all the blind spots that we all have. Think of how little that we know. And how are we going to rely on my own understanding? Rely on my feelings? You know, we often hear young people get told this, like, you know, hey, go with your passion. Hey, my kid's passion at 15, you know, 16 and 12 is to lay down and watch YouTube all day. That's their passion. Like, don't tell them, go with your passion. Like, that's all they want to do. Because there's so many wonderful videos, they have to catch up. Go with your passion. Imagine if we all live by our passion. Bruce Walkie, a uh, renowned scholar on Proverbs says this in his commentary, one is a fool to rely on his thimble of knowledge before its vast ocean, or on his own understanding, which is often governed by irrational urges that he cannot control. Irrational urges he cannot control. One is a fool. If we bring, here is my thimble of knowledge, And I said, I'm going to rely my whole life destiny and all my important decisions on this thimble of knowledge and on my feelings. And you're doing this from the deck of a boat on the Pacific. You're looking at 
the knowledge that is vast. God who knows the future. God who knows the past. God who knows our names. God who knows the words before they leave our lips. God who knows us so well. We're saying to God, God, here's my knowledge. Here is my little passion, God. Shouldn't I live this way? God says, on the important things of life, who you want to marry, God is saying, you need to marry someone you are equally yoked to. How you raise your child, you need to raise them up in the Lord, not to be the smartest in their class. How I go to work, as we went over this summer. That it is a call that God has given you. It's not just how to get in and out and make the most as quick as possible. And he says, this is how you have to live. Don't trust your emotions and your thimble of knowledge. Lean not on it. Do not lean on it. This picture of leaning on something that can't support you is our knowledge. My second one, Ashley, has been wearing a boot on her foot. Hurt her foot playing volleyball. And uh, one of the things that the doctors ordered for uh, her was, she said, the crutches are kind of hard, and uh, why don't you get one of these, um, you know, it's like a little stroller things, right? And I was like, wow, kids these days, you know, like, geez. And so now the stroller got ordered, and they shipped it to my house. And the guy was showing me how it works. Here's the brake. Here's the little basket. I was like, what's the basket for? You know, if you want to put bread in it. I don't know, whatever. You know, here's the basket. And here's the height. You adjust it, and you ride along. And, you know, you know the first person who rode that thing was? It was me, right? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, whoa! And then we're, I'm doing, like, circles in my house. And then my oldest daughter is like, watch out, watch out! And then she jumps on. So the one with the foot is watching us, going, you know, and then he goes, oh, this is, whoa! And we're going around, around, around. Um, you know, our dog Daisy's in the basket now, and we're going around, around. Um, last night, my wife went out, or last, in the afternoon, she went out, ran some errands, bought some groceries. She comes in. And I'm literally riding by her as she goes, and she's yelling, get off. And I was like, hey, you know, what's the matter? She goes, that has a weight limit. Get off. <laughs> I was like, honey, you hurt my feelings. You know, how can you say that? <laughs> you're going to break it. You're going to destroy it. Get off. And I was like, go pick, get the groceries. Like, All right. All right. Um, lean not on your own. What are you leaning on, right? Can it support you? Um, but to lean on him, all right? To, and it says to acknowledge him in all, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your path. Verse 6. He says all your ways. Um, through all parts of your life. Your young adult life. Your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your six empty nesters. And hey boy, you know... One day, God willing, you become grandparents and retire. All, all of it, acknowledge him. You acknowledge someone by saying, I know you're here. I know you're a part of this. I acknowledge you. So it's not like you don't want to go into a house and you know someone's there and you just don't acknowledge them. You want to say, I know you're here. Uh, can I think about you? Can I talk to you? What do you need? How can I help? How can you help me? The Bible says in Psalm 62, trust in him at all times. The good times, some of you are going through heartbreaking, difficult times. The illness of loved ones, the, the uncertainty of my finances, and 
someone at work that has given me a hard time, and boy, my kid's not growing up the way that I had envisioned. Um, whatever it is, acknowledge him. I trust him through these things. And I close with this verse that we know so well. In Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says here, I am sure. And I've said, I am convinced. Would you leave this place today? Would you wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm convinced that nothing, life or death, nothing, height, nothing could separate me from the love of God. He loves me and he is capable. He is trustworthy. And he is worthy of all of it. He will straighten out your life. He will guide you where you need to go. And so we trust him in that way. Let's bow our heads together. God, these familiar words are easy to memorize, but they are so hard to live out. The older we get, Lord, sometimes it's so hard to trust. God, so we ask that you increase our faith. Help us to trust in you. In our work, Lord, in our relationships, even with tomorrow, you are there. So you are worthy of all of our trust. Jesus Christ, we entrust you for eternity. We entrust you. We trust in your name, God. So, Lord, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to look to you daily. And I pray for my dear sisters and brothers here, Lord God. You know, some of us are just going through difficult times, a season where we are asking why, God. How can you let this happen, God? And yet, Lord, would you gently guide us and nudge us along and tell us to trust you. We will follow you. We will follow you. You are worthy of that. We pray in Jesus' name.